Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 75, The Bluest Blue Ever. This week we're discussing season 4, episode 9 of Buffy, Something Blue, and the Doctor Who series 5 finale, The Big Bang. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. This was a fun one. Uh, I know yeah. you said before this has a reputation as one of the uh, funniest episodes, and it definitely uh, lived up to that, I think. Um, I don't know if there's anything else to say about that other than to call out all the really funny parts as we go through it, but um, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty funny, and I think you know, some of that comes from it being sort of over the top. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, some of the some of the reaction is that, yes, it's very funny, although um, a lot of people sort of found Buffy's, uh, I guess, Sarah Michelle Gellar's, you know, performance sort of a little too, uh, what's the word? You know, just like a little too sort of uh, over the top or mm-hmm. like, you know... Um, exaggerated or or whatever Mm -hmm. um but you know i mean i i think i think it works though like i mean you're getting yeah it is a spell so you are getting something that it's not truly how they act you know right right um yeah anyway yeah no it it totally worked for me um but uh but we want to start talking before we get into all the silly stuff uh we want to start talking about willow who's actually not very funny in this episode <laughs> and uh I, I i definitely want to call out the title that which i definitely didn't get the double entendre until my second watch you know mm. you know something blue as soon as the wedding stuff started i thought oh okay you know i get i get what that's referring to you know um which is going to be relevant later in our discussion when we talk about Doctor Who, you know, the old I know. the nice old little, wedding saying. <laughs> nice little alignment there, huh? It's huge huge crossover there, but um but on the second or I don't know when it occurred to me, like either after it was over or on the second viewing, um the kind of realization that oh, Willow's also something blue in this episode. That yeah. It's kind of about her still um a little bit melancholy and mm-hmm. mopey even about Oz and still sympathetic. Although it was kind of interesting to see how as nice as everyone's trying to be to her, um, the, the strain is showing a little bit of, she's starting to, you know, push past yeah. the point of what, you know, they can handle um, mm-hmm. to like by the end you know, when she's not there, obviously, but kind of admitting to each other, yeah, we're all sick of it, you know? (laughs) Like, I love that part where, like, they're trying to be so considerate and not be jerks about it, but, like, Mm -hmm. they kind of, at the end, just sort of look at each other, and Xander's like, "Uh, I'm really sick of this griefy, mopey thing, and Buffy's like, well, yeah, we're all sick of it, but, like, whatever, you know? And they just sort of acknowledge, like, oh, this has been bucking us for a while. Yeah, Um, yeah. And uh, so that was kind of interesting to see Willow sort of still going through that process, but like 
starting to kind of get on their nerves and having her just go like from one to the other complaining about whoever it was that she was talking to before you know so so she's not just mopey but like she has to complain to Buffy about Giles not being understanding and wanting to like not be inconvenienced and then she has Mm -hmm. to go to Xander to complain that Buffy you know went to track down Spike instead or whatever um so uh, I don't know, kind of an interesting way to handle her coming out of the other side of, I guess that's kind of how you, a good way to have her come out the other side of that kind of grieving process is to kind of have the moment of the character kind of realizing like, oh, is that what I've become like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, and it's, it is good because Willow certainly doesn't sort of realize. No, no. You know, her own, you know, her own. Uh, I mean, that's the whole point, right? Is that all this stuff happens because R- Willow doesn't really realize it. It's like, it's interesting, too, because like sort of the spell she does, it's supposed to be like this, you know, uh, resonance of her will kind of right. thing. But like all the stuff that happens seems to be sort of off the cuff comments. So like. I don't right. actually get the feeling like, and maybe that's it. Maybe it's like she did something wrong with the spell. So it's not actually her will. It's all the stuff that she doesn't really believe, but she just kind of says, you right. know, uh, offhand. And so, right. You that's know, an, that's, that's, that hadn't really occurred to me, but that's true because whenever she actually says something purposely, like I will this to happen, it doesn't work. It's when mm-hmm. she kind of makes like, the random statements that like yeah like the half sarcastic like, right right well why don't you just go marry him right you know, like, right <laughs> uh you know that kind of thing right. where where it actually um yeah where this stuff actually works uh so but i do want to bring up too like we also get this idea of willow's sort of impatience you know because mm. we we've seen like i think we're you know, from the from the start with Willow's character, we've always seen that she does sort of hang back and wait for things to happen. But yeah. there does seem to sort of be a side to her where she just wants things to happen now. She doesn't want to have to go through the grief. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't I just make it all be okay yeah. right now? You know, that kind of that kind of idea. So there is, I, I you know, I I don't know if it's sort of in concert with her magicness or just in general mm-hmm. and overall growing up sort of confidence you know in herself Um, because i think we have seen willow become i mean certainly over the last three and a half seasons Mm -hmm. you know we've seen willow become more confident sort of in herself and her abilities and so i would maybe sort of suggest that there's a correlation there that we're getting you know willow willow's confidence in her abilities but like she's at that point where you know we get the explanation from giles that you know it you're not you're not as powerful or as in control of things as you might think you are or wish you were, you know, and your emotions do affect the way things Mm -hmm. happen, you know, in ways that you might not understand or fully comprehend or, or desire or whatever. Uh, Right. And I think that's one of the things that we get here with her. So. Yeah. Uh, And I think we still see like a slightly, um, definitely more competent in, in what she's, as much as she's hard on herself about not being a good witch, I think you're right that we've definitely seen her grow in terms of what she's able to do. 
mm-hmm. um, even though it still doesn't always work exactly like you know she wants it to. But right. um, but still, some of that um, slightly immature attitude about what she's doing, like you, mm-hmm. you kind of still get her. You know, as as many times by now as her as her magic has not gone as planned. Um, you still get this kind of romanticism of what the magic should be and what her ability as a witch should be. Mm. You know, that like, you know, it's a little, it is a little troubling that like, yes, she wants to use the magic, you know, to, you know, fight evil and that's great. But she also wants to use it for like personal reasons too. Like she wants to use it to to bend will to, to to bend reality to her will or you know or she's regretting that she couldn't make oz stay with her you know or make veruca you know die or whatever she was gonna do to veruca or like you know yeah. and it's like those are probably not the things you should be using your magic for you know and but she's still kind of lamenting the fact that she can't you know, do those things. Like, you know, would she like the result? Probably not. And would she chicken out? Yeah, probably. But there's a part of her that really wishes she could do those things, you know, Mm -hmm. that like, you know, if she could have just forced Oz to not make the mistakes he made or to choose to stay with her, you know, despite everything, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, and there is that sort of like attitude, like it, to just generalize it a little bit, like there is that sort of attitude that that I think a lot of people have at certain times. Um, I certainly know I have. Mm-hmm. Like it's if if you, you know, if I could just learn how to do this one thing, it would be so much easier. Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, like in some cases that could sort of be true. But like nine times out of 10, you just realize that, no, it's not that it's easier. It's just that you know how to do it now. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there, you still have to go through the process. You still have to, uh, you know, with whatever it is, it's, I mean, you know, for this story, it's magic. You know, it could be building something with your hands. It could be learning how to write. It could be, you know, doing this or that. It doesn't necessarily become easier. You just have better tools to sort of do it with and, and, you know, different ways to sort of approach things like, but you still have to put thought and time and effort and all of those things into yeah. whatever it is you're doing. So it's not that that sort of uh, you know quick fix mentality. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean it runs rampant. I think most people at some point in their lives, at least, uh, yeah. feel that way. So it's it's you know I think that's just sort of universal human thing. And, yeah. And, no, and it's totally relatable that that feeling of how long is this gonna it just feels like she's gonna feel like this forever you know and she's and and she's always felt this way and she'll never feel you know happy again and when you're stuck in it you know and isn't it it's so much worse too like when you see someone else who's like a good friend or whatever you know starting their own romantic relationship at the time when yours is just completely gone to crap and you're you know whatever like (laughs) it's funny but also very sad that scene of willow approaching riley and buffy at their on the pic i know it was the most awkward thing ever it was like no don't sit down with them and she (laughs) sits down and what does she notice the apples are going yeah the spoiled apples like 
And it's just as, this this fatalistic oh that <laughs> yeah. your apples are turning brown. Yeah, they do that. And she just goes, Yeah. Like everything else is flawed yeah. in the universe. Right. Of course the apples would be turning Perfect, brown. Perfect, beautiful, sunny day, lots of food to eat, you know, like everything. Yeah. Everything except the fact that the apples are turning slightly yeah. brown, yeah. like not, yeah. not even really brown. They're just kind of like slightly yeah. browning a little bit. Yeah, and it's like, and she's such a killjoy on their date, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and Riley's a good a good sport, you know. Like I like that. One of the things I do like about him is how he's been pretty understanding of Willow during, like, you know, like during his pursuit of Buffy, like. He actually has, like, we saw that in the in before when he was kind of conspiring with Willow to talk to Buffy, yeah. that he actually, like, put that aside to say, like, you know, do you want me to stay with you? Do you want to talk about stuff? Like, and he mm-hmm. invites her to sit down, even though she's a complete buzzkill. Like, he actually, like, seems to like her as a person and isn't just, um like, putting up with her for Buffy's sake or something, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So you can kind of I like like both the fact that the scene is really awkward and uncomfortable, but also that like mm-hmm. he's being like you know genuinely you know concerning of her and everything. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. I, you don't get the feeling like you said that that he's just putting up with her, you know, because yeah, she's the friend of the woman that I'm trying to woo, kind of yeah. thing. Like I mean, you and know, even there does sort of be. And even less so than her friends who aren't really putting up with her, but are, I think, biting their tongues a lot about, like, you know, because they know her so yeah. well. And, yeah, you know, yeah. your temper gets a lot shorter when you know someone that well. <laughs> yeah, so, like, just suck it up, you know, yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Um, well, and I was just going to sort of point out, too, that actually, you know, Buffy, or sorry, not Buffy, Willow and Riley um, – hit it off just from the first time, you know, when Buffy yeah. knocked the book down on Riley's head. And right. You yeah. know, and Willow's like, oh, you know, blah, 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 this psychology. Right. So they have and, a sort of friendship so, on their own independent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and longer and a little more developed, I think, than, you know, Buffy and Riley do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think there is, I think you're right. Like that, that was sort of their first and, and so there is a genuine, yeah, you know, uh, concern and friendship between the two of them but mm-hmm. uh, anyway so um <laughs> but we do get willow's uh spell yeah and the sort of so okay before we get into like the main characters um one of the funniest moments to me is when she brings back amy for oh a yeah brief second. yeah yeah and yeah you're just like oh <gasps> Yeah. And then she turns and then back. she goes yeah. right one back. minute she's a woman, the next she's a yeah. rat again, you know, and it's just like you know the the yeah. irony of that, obviously, and you're and and it's funny because you do forget like even I forget knowing yeah. that like there are these little moments, and it won't be the last time we get references to Amy the rat, yeah. but you know what yeah. I mean like like even I sort of do forget, and then when I saw like you know the rat on the bed, I was like, oh yeah, 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 I forgot about that, so you get these little. Yeah. moments of like her you know totally immersed in herself not paying any attention yeah. when it's like you could just realize that like you're actually doing some amazing stuff right now yeah. and yeah. you don't even know it um yeah and bringing the 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 actress in just for like a two-second cameo 
But like that, like totally steals the episode. Like you know, those are like the best cameos. That like, you know, that like <laughs> makes it like in that like one second that you were there. You know. Yeah. Um, I know, right? And, and it's and it works <laughs> enough just as a reference, like to have the rat and to be like, oh, talking about Amy isn't that funny. But like to actually have her change and then change back, was inspired. That was great. Yeah. 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 Poor Amy. And her look of just joy of, oh my god, and then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she, she like looks, herself she has enough time for... to look around like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm a human again. Yeah. And no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. Really. Um, yeah, no, great stuff. No, so it seems like Willow has the power. She just doesn't have the control yet, maybe. Like, she can do, she can affect change. She mm-hmm. just doesn't always quite get the intended result. That seems to be, you know. And we've speculated about that before, like, in the Halloween one, where it seemed to be, like, a, an issue of, like, decision and concentration. And, mm-hmm. you know, she can make these things, but she can't necessarily direct them to do her will, to do what she wants them to do. Um, right, right. You know, and... Whether that's a matter of practice or whether that is because of these mixed up emotions, you know, um, mm-hmm. and indecisions, uh, or or a mix of both, you know. Right, right. Um. So, do you want to just go through like each of the changes that she wreaks on her? Yes. Uh, uh, her friends there. Yeah. So. Uh, starting, I guess, actually with Giles, probably, because mm-hmm. he's the first one. Um, and the making him blind, like, that's, yeah. you know, like, the worst thing you could do to a guy who loves to read and, yeah. you know, uh, and polish his glasses. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we get the the reminder of I, just another Giles moment is his kiss the librarian mug. Um, so you get, like, the reminder yeah. too of like his you know his emphasis on being a librarian and a reader and like how important his sight is to him and everything um and i like the way it kind of went on kind of gradually like that it happens at first and he doesn't quite realize like he knows enough to be sort of freaked out but it's not like total pitch you know dark blindness so right, he kind of right. just sort of stumbles out and everything um yeah yeah no it does sort of build gradually and then it gets to that point where he can't see anything and um you know i i like (laughs) i like all the little moments then you know because of that the you know the spilling of his scotch and Mm -hmm. like the uh you know his his disappointment because he really needs his scotch to get through yeah. the lip smacking yeah, you know between yeah. Buffy and Spike and like, and and my other favorite is because there was the reference from earlier of Xander and Anya having the fruit roll-ups that Xander's mm, mom gave them when yep. he ra- waves his hand in front of Giles' face <laughs> whatever <laughs> you're doing please stop it you smell like fruit roll-ups <laughs> so yeah. he actually yeah Knows the smell of fruit roll-ups off right. of Xander's hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and just like the um, oh, and so, it was so we're the the clever plan to like cure my blindness has been put off till tomorrow. Then, huh? <laughs> like, could we do that now? 
please. Let's yeah. And and the kind of added twist too that um because of that situation, that kind of being what allows Spike to escape. And I love too that like when once we'll talk about Buffy and Spike in a minute, but like after they're like they've been sort of magicked into their relationship. Buffy will just like leave Giles blind with Spike and no problem. (laughs) Yeah. I love that moment of like, I'm going to go and get like the ingredients. You stay here with Spike. And it's like, uh, excuse me. Like he can't see anything, but you know, but as Spike says, you know, he's basically his father-in-law at this point. So he's perfectly safe. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Spike still can't hurt anyone. He still can't hurt him. That's true. I mean, so, you know, I think there's... That's true, but, yeah, but I still but, imagine that Spike could inconvenience him in some way, even if he can't outright, like, Yeah, especially a blind him. Giles, right? Yeah. Like, he might not be able to directly hurt him, but he can, like, he could, like move furniture in his him way. In a, or, right, or he could, yeah, like, lock like, him up so that he could go escape or something, you know, so... Yeah. Right, well, yeah, like, there's no worry about Spike escaping or anything now, either. Right, right. At that point. right. It's just, you know, when 20 minutes ago... Buffy was had to go run looking for him because he escaped. Right. Well, and, I, and so I like that. It's like, oh, you'll probably just find him in two seconds. And yeah. <laughs> Buffy's like, I thought that would take longer. How did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> um. The uh, but yeah, no, I mean the obviously sort of the centerpiece of the episode is Buffy and Spike. Yeah. And their matrimonial relationship. Yeah. Uh, the. So I, I don't know. I've read that this is sort of a res that it could be seen as a response. I don't know that Whedon or you know the writer Tracy Forbes or any anyone else mm. actively considered this, but there are those who would argue that this is one of those like wish fulfillment fan sort of moments where you have you know the shippers of Buffy and Spike, you know. Uh, yeah, wanting to see this sort of on-screen romance thing. That I that I have to say that did occur to me, um, and I don't know. I okay. Here's what I don't know. What I don't know is like details about like where, if anywhere, you know, a romantic relationship between Buffy and Spike goes, right? But I know enough of the fandom to know that there are the Buffy slash Spike shippers out there. You know, people who think that they should be together, even if they're not, you know? Um, And so it did occur to me that this is a good way to test out what their chemistry might be like <laughs> on screen. You know, whether whether that was intentionally what they yeah. meant by it, I don't know. But, I, th- you know, I could see this as like a, let's just, I mean, and obviously they're not acting like their normal selves, mm-hmm. you know? And it wouldn't make sense if they did. Like, it would be really out of character for Buffy and Spike to just overnight, you know, fall madly in love right um so you know so obviously it like there's limitations in the sense that like this isn't an actual exploration of their real feelings or anything Mm -hmm. but 
I don't know. It did kind of occur to me, like, all right, are we testing the waters here to see um, what kind of chemistry, you know, these actors might have together or playing their relationship in a slightly different way? Like, I don't imagine that they're ever going to act like this again, but, you know, it might just be a way of introducing a little yeah. bit of um, sexual tension in with the normal animosity kind of tension, right. you know? Right. Um, right. So, so here, and here's the thing that I don't know, um, is whether or not those sort of shippers existed before this episode. Mm. Or, and well, even like in the point where right. before this episode was produced and stuff, because I mean, the, you know, by the time the episode airs, yeah, you know, it it would have been months before that it was produced at least. So, I that's the question that I just I just have no idea. Yeah, about. like I don't I'm not privy to what was on the boards. It it might right. that information might be out there. Um, I've seen one sort of reference uh, to like a more academic article on it, and it's from 2002, which is mm. after this episode air so like yeah you know i don't i don't know enough about the historical shipper dumb (laughs) of buffy and spike if that's a word i don't know um wouldn't it be like spuffy or something (laughs) yeah spuffy is is spuffy and bangle and bangle right (laughs) that's what i've seen and and it's usually a versus one or the other. Right. You know, which should Buffy be with? Right, Buffy, right, uh, right. Well, that and that's what I mean is Angel like... Angel or Spike. And, and that's what I mean is like, I know there are the Spuffiers, right? So there's at least people who feel like they're, you know, better. Yeah, as a and I guess, than... I guess what I don't know is, is this the genesis of that or is it, a the reaction of it, to it, you know, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Is it is it the origin or is it a reaction? Mm. Um, and that's that's what I don't know from sort of a historical perspective because right. I could see, I, I could see it either way. Personally, for me, mm. I suspect it's more the genesis than the reaction. Like I, mm. I would find it hard to believe that there were a lot of people before this significantly enough before this to be able to actually produce an episode on it. So I'm talking like in season three where we don't have Spike. Mm. Um, We haven't seen him since season two, you know, until, until he comes back in season four. Is that right? Now I'm thinking back. Crap. Am I forgetting something? Uh, He had like one episode in season three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So nothing Nothing. Oh, right, he right, came right. back yeah. to mope about Drusilla, and then he left again. <laughs> right, but that's sort of at the height of yeah. Buffy and Angel getting back right. into the swing right. of their relationship. Right. Right, and right, at right, that right. point, yeah. I find it truly hard to believe that anybody is thinking Spike and Buffy. Mm. Well, seriously thinking. there's With shows and movies and fandoms, you're always going to have people who say, oh, sure. I think this person ought to be with this completely unlikely person you mm. know and they're gonna write you know whatever they do so i mean yes they probably existed i would find it hard enough to believe that it existed in such 
to such an extent that the writers of Buffy were aware of it and mm. used it as a premise for mm-hmm. an episode. Right. But I don't have evidence for why I believe that. That's just my own thought. Yeah. Uh, and so if I were to say anything, I would say that I would guess that this would be sort of the genesis of that sort of people would say, oh, actually, that's a good idea. Right. Buffy right. and Angel, or, jeez, right. I'm getting it all wrong. <laughs> Buffy and Spike would make a really good couple. Let's have that. How's it Angel's right. gone? That's okay. And Angel's, you know, we already know that relationship is going to work out because we just saw it in the last episode right. that it's not going to work out. So, right. yes, let's do an episode right. yeah, or and I, whatever. I, I think you're probably, I think I'd probably be on the same page. I mean, I could, I could see some people liking the idea of Buffy and Spike before this because of, you know, that, like, and that, like, really passionate hate that they have for each other, yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, I guess that's why I make, and, I'm, I make those two caveats of, was it significantly right. long enough before this that, the writers and, you know, Joss Whedon and them would have known about it and been able to create an episode out of it. And, and I, I would suspect that even if that were true, that would be like a small enough, that would be like a, a, a small minority, you know, of yeah. the shippers out there. Whereas I think you're right that even if those people did exist before who thought that that would be an interesting direction to go, I'm sure that this episode, like, you know, multiplied their numbers exponentially. You know, mm-hmm. like, that might have been, like, a couple people on the internet, you know. But after this episode, I'm sure this is, like, where, like, that became more of, like, a popular idea of, yeah. you know, them, you know, having them, you know, have attraction between them. So, um, probably that's right it would be interesting i'd like to talk to like somebody who watched the show back when it was airing you know and maybe maybe somebody who was into the kind of whole shipping thing like before like while the show was current um and i'm curious as to whether there's even like those message boards that would be available because that's where I think you would find right rather than relying on people's memories because anecdotal. Yeah. Yeah. No, find some like old message boards. Yeah. Yeah. Are there message boards out there that before this, uh, because there were definitely, I mean, there was like, there, there was a message when board the called first the bronze. Spuffy, when did the first Spuffy thread get started? Yeah, that would be first, like a really revealing, you know. <laughs> or or the first, uh, you know, like fan fiction. Right, exactly. Them, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and like I said, like I, I do understand that there are people out there who probably had the idea before this. It's just was there. Right, right. But was it enough to impact enough the story? To yeah. impact the story and to... Uh, have garnered the notice of yeah the production team right. and all of that yeah um it's an interesting i mean there's people out there i mean you know you talk about like star wars universe i'm sure there's people who have written stuff about like princess leia and you know an ewok or something you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. just the most unlikely 
yeah. BS, you yeah. know, that you can come up I with. I think just there are because... people that do that, that specifically write stories about, like, completely yeah. unlikely off-the-wall pairings, so. Yeah, so, like, in in regard to that, like, I, it, it's not that I have trouble believing that people thought of that connection. Right, it's but just, how widespread it, of a Yeah, how widespread and how influential was it, I guess, yeah. would it have been at, yeah. at that point. Um, and I suspect that this would have triggered right that. right so you know yeah that's just my that's just my personal opinion yeah. i could be wrong i i don't know that we'll ever have a significant <laughs> way of of determining one way or the other but that's just my thoughts yeah yeah well um, i'm glad you brought it up because that did sort of occur to me as like it was happening it was like yeah not quite in those terms but i was kind of starting to think of like this is an interesting, you know, as much as it's, you know, completely for comedy and silly, it's also whether or not this was intentionally a testing of the waters or a reaction to anything or whether they just thought, oh, this would be really funny. Um, it, in any case, it like is a really kind of interesting thought experiment for the characters mm -hmm. to kind of say, like, let's devise a scenario where this could happen and, you know, as ridiculous as they are, you know, they have pretty good chemistry. So I, you yeah. know, won't be surprised to see more of that kind of thing in the future, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, especially that we know that Angel is gone for good in a sense. You know, like I don't, I'm yeah. sure there'll be other Angel and Buffy stories. I'm sure it's not the end of the angst. You know, but, um, but, you know, I think I feel pretty certain at this point that Angel and Buffy are in their separate shows and they're staying that way, you know, in the long term. So kind of opening, especially since they just crossed over like last week, you yeah. know, it's interesting then to go, you know, and take, you know, the other bad boy vampire yeah. and start to play around with him. And I like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I like that it kind of framed it. I did, this didn't occur to me until later either, but framing it with that discussion of like, what is the attraction to the bad boys? Mm. Um, and it's interesting because it's like Buffy's not before this attracted to Spike. It's not like she's tempted to be with him. So it's not like she's ever really like, but still, there's still that idea of, like, Riley is the nice, safe, normal, or so she yeah. thinks, is the nice, safe, normal, you know, guy. And then she spends this whole episode with another, you know, nice vampire, you know. <laughs> and then at the end yeah. has to yeah. kind of and remind are... herself, oh, yeah, that bad boy thing. I'm totally not doing that again. But then now they, they've opened that door. So it does make you wonder like oh no <laughs> right you know there, there where might that lead? resonances yeah between spike and angel i mean they were they used to power yeah. around so yeah. like it's not that inconceivable that yeah you know personality wise they might be something that attracts buffy but right. yeah no i i think i like that too like the sort of couching it in those bad boy terms like yeah yeah like a vampire and, is what, just like, and what buffy says at the beginning about you know uh isn't that like that there's something exciting about the bad boy that she's worried you know about how passionate 
her relationship with Riley or any kind of nice guy could be, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. love that bit of, like, you know, like, oh, the, the fire and the passion have to come with, like, pain and everything. And then she stakes the vampire. I wonder where I get that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But, like, it well, does make you wonder, like, you know, okay, you know, if things develop, you know, if, if relationships are developing with Spike and with Riley, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, it does that make Spike a more attractive, you know, person to have that kind of? Yeah. And they they've got the fighting down, you know. And I and I again I can see how people would find their kind of hate ship, like you know, like having the chemistry, like how much they argue and don't like each other, and you know, that's like the, yeah, that's even like the this... classic screwball couple like they argue because they love each other kind of thing you know and and even in this episode you get like the moments of like buffy bearing her neck to him like look out like which is a very sensual sort of you know thing or or the oh i accidentally staked spike giles you know what i mean like it's a little bit flirtatious yeah yeah it's flirtatious while also being like you said the hate ship you know like um yeah you definitely do get those right and and like it's that it's that sort of classic, you know, while I'm yelling at you, we're getting closer and closer. So you're not quite you're... sure if we're angry or we're going to kiss. Well, you and know? that's like, like, we've seen like Xander and Cordy do that, you know, like where exactly. like, they're just, yeah. you know, trapped and yelling at each other and you think they hate each other and they just start making out because their passion just, you know, and I could see the Buffy Spike thing going kind of in that direction, you know? Mm. Um, so, but... We also know that Riley isn't as much of the nice guy next door as he appears. You know, he might have more of the bad boy in him than Buffy realizes. Yeah. So that's and, another potential. And that goes back to like even something you were talking about. Like you, you I mean, you were hesitant with Riley at the beginning. Was, and yeah. I think you, you're less so now, at least at, from what I can tell. Um that you know we i do think he is being genuine but not completely forthcoming if that makes sense yeah. like he's mm-hmm. like like i don't get all of the stuff with him and buffy like seems like it's real right and and not you know in you know the parker just sort of making you feel good until you right. sleep with her kind of thing right but it seems like he actually does like buffy and 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 we, you know we talked about how like you know because that is sort of like we get that when he's with the guys too. It's like the rebel. Oh, I do actually like Buffy, and everyone else is like, "Yeah, we know you do." Like th- that's right, with his right. friends. It's not just with Buffy. So right, yeah, that and then I guess real, that's why but... I do feel. But you're right. Like even though we feel more comfortable with him, we know now that he is hiding stuff. Really, he, right, and he's still lying. It's still it's it's honest, but not completely honest. Like yeah. or it's like they what we see is true we just don't see everything you know it's like you know it's like you see it's seeing a tree and not realizing that there are roots underground kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's there's definitely you know that part of him that it doesn't make the part that you see less real it just means that there's more to be seen and at what point it's like one of those things you know in a developing relationship at what point does it become, oh, this just hasn't come up yet, 
or, oh, I'm actively hiding it from mm-hmm. you. You know what I mean? Like, and I would suspect that it's more the actively hiding it, you know, with regards to, oh, I'm a member of a secret organization that yeah. hunts down demons and stuff. Like, right, right. that doesn't seem like the, oh, it just hasn't come up yet yeah. <laughs> sort yeah, of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's one of those things that it's never going to come up because I'm right. going to do everything that I can to keep you from finding out about it. Yeah. Um, so there is still sort of that problem there and and yeah and and so what does happen or what will happen if and when Buffy finds out about it you know yeah does that mean it is it a good reaction oh actually you're more dangerous than I thought you were so I get the nice guy and the bad boy all in one package or does it become you were hiding things from me and you lied to me and I've been lied to before and I don't like it and now you're dead to me right (laughs) uh you know there, yeah. We shall we'll see have to see if that happens. Um. So anyway, so Xander, we didn't talk about Xander's sort of side of the spell. Well, and, well, I guess and, anything and else before we before we go on before we go on to Xander, I guess like I did want to just go through like j- just the fact that some of these like because this episode I think it is really funny with the Buffy Spike thing and like it's thought provoking, but it's also just like completely ridiculous um oh yeah so like you know just some of the like silly stuff that they get to do you know um and now i'm not gonna be able to find any examples but like just like they're like really like how it it reminds me kind of of the seinfeld like schmoopy stuff like just how like (laughs) fawning and like you know kind of gross they get to like act around each other it's completely you know like you said like giles is completely grossed out and xander wishes he was blind too and um i don't know i just like all their bits about like fighting about all the married couple bickering about like oh yeah. can, can we get can we get the flowers that angel would have wanted right. and, like we weren't going to bring up that name and you know telling each other that like their names are ridiculous like you know, Spike and William the Bloody are both going to be equally mm. stupid names, you know, but Buffy's stupid too. And Yeah. You know, um, right. And you get the sense that this is like two people who met on a weekend in Vegas more so than right, right. through lifelong. Yeah, this like, is like the shotgun the, wedding, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to what Willow says, it's not that they necessarily fall into a deep, long-lasting love relationship it's just well why don't she go marry him you yeah, know it's, just, it's like let's get it married because that, that seemed like a good cuff. idea it's, yeah it is yeah more the weekend in vegas feel than the you know we've been together for several years and know each other well enough and our best friends yeah. kind of thing <laughs> um and i almost almost like uh ann you know the where we get chanterelle whatever her name is uh-huh. in that yeah. And and her boyfriend who ends up getting killed. Um, you know, and they have like the tattoos, the matching tattoos and stuff. Like I could right. totally see Spike and Buffy getting matching right, tattoos. Right, with matching tattoos, if, yeah. If they, you know, went out like it. And it's like yeah, no. Um, um I, yeah, I, no. I I also liked the um little it was sweet and then also really funny when Buffy asks Giles to give her away. <laughs> you know, like so it, yeah. it is sweet. That's, like, a big thing for her to ask. And he's, like, really touched. And then he's, like, oh, my God, shut up. Like, this yeah. is so stupid. Like, he realizes, like, this doesn't, 
nobody's getting married, you know, well, quit it. But but you're also like, it's a genuine, you know. Right, and you, you can't help but think, like, you know, her, her comment about, like, you know, it's not the family you're born with, but the family you choose. And like, right, like, you know, like he's stuff telling like that, you, like, like you're my father in a way, you know, or yeah. more so than her real father, you there, know. There definitely is a, you know, a, a touching moment there yeah. to it. And, yeah. um the the <laughs> you're ruining my happy day <laughs> like yeah. you know just like those little little one-offs or the fact that she wants to have the wedding ceremony outside in daytime yeah yeah you'll be <laughs> like, registering as mr no, and be, mrs pile fine. of we'll stand, dust we'll stand in the shade <laughs> uh, so yeah it's yeah definitely definitely some really really funny stuff going on there um, and some good writing so i i mentioned um, this is written by Tracy Forbes, who, uh, you know, the last episode that we saw with her was was less than stellar. Um, this is true, but I think so, she, I think she redeemed herself. Uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely a much better, yeah. uh, much better episode. Um, um, so then, okay, moving on. So let's to go Xander. on to Xander then. Um, um, we get the recollection of the fact that he is totally attract that that he totally attracts all of these uh sort of demonic women <laughs> to his I know uh, and when she said that himself. I'm like that's kind of true <laughs> I guess yeah. Cordy being the main exception but um other than her that kind of is true Yeah and uh right we get the references back to praying mantis and the Inca mummy girl mm-hmm. and um yeah, now just, Anya, yeah. Now, well, now Anya, who's human, but yeah, yeah. was a, a former... Uh, yeah, well, and, you know, Willow's being kind of flip in that moment, you know. But, right, right. Uh, but it is an interesting trend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway, but the... Uh, I mean, I, I guess there's not a lot to say about that other than just, yeah, it's sort of the funny you know, the funny revelation or or realization, I guess, of that, that fact there. Um, but also he's the one who actually figures out what's going on. Yeah. So like, it's not, it's not just, <laughs> and I, I mean, it takes him a while. He's like, Oh wait, I know something. Wait, there's something going on here. Yeah. Uh, but, but I did, I know, like that. I, mean, of, I know something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, there is at least, you know, and because sort of everyone else is wrapped. I mean, he is too, because there's demons coming after him and whatnot. But like, yeah. you know, the every, you know, Buffy is totally. And <laughs> when they figure out that it's Willow's spell and Buffy's like, yeah, Willow hit you guys with a spell. <laughs> like, I must have escaped because yeah. I'm the slayer. My slayer immunity <laughs> kept me safe. Yeah. And it's just like, no. No, that didn't happen. Well, and because um, hers is the only one that changes her perception of things, you know, like, because Giles is, is just his physical sight, you know, and Xander's right. just being chased by stuff. But Buffy, like, sees it completely colors her, you know, thinking process, you know, everything's right. through this filter of I'm getting yeah, married and it's the happiest day of my life and everything. Completely natural that she's in love with Spike now. Right, and even when they're, like, fighting and focusing on saving Willow, she's still, like, scouting out where they can get wedding photos and, you know, trying not to, like, bend the shrubbery and everything, so. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, no, that was a really funny line. And it um, is good for Xander to be... I like that Xander did figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Like, he doesn't get a lot of credit for stuff, so... <laughs> it's nice every now and then when he when he does do that. Yeah. Um, and of course, well, and so and Anya's the one who notices that Buffy and Spike are holding hands. Like, there's... Mm. The, uh, uh, she seems a little more perceptive in that room. Like, yeah. you kind of wonder, would Xander have ever noticed that? Like, right, right. On? He like, would have just blocked that out. Yeah. Like, he notices that Spike's not tied up, but he's like, but you must know that already. He doesn't yeah. notice that they're standing there holding hands. Like, right. okay. <laughs> um, uh, I guess sort of speaking of Anya, then we get a little bit of her background as well. Um, yeah, which I guess, I mean... I don't know that we find out anything hugely earth-shattering, but we get to see, like, the actual demon that came to her. Um, which, and I guess we knew that, that she was mortal at one point, you know, 1,100 years ago, and then, you know, was sort of going through a bad breakup, much like Willow. And this demon, I guess, goes around and finds, you know women like that or i don't know if specifically he looks for witches and people who have like magical ability or not but um in any case he kind of comes and offers you know to elevate them to be vengeance demons and mm -hmm. anya took it you know <laughs> yeah so you know i don't know what that says about anya versus willow how much to extrapolate from that but um, you know, it was a long time yeah. ago, so. Yeah, no, there's definitely, right, well, I mean, we see Willow, I mean, just the fact that she doesn't take it, you know, she's yeah. like, oh, thanks for the offer, but yeah. no, thank you. And I love the bit where it's like, you know, you you kind of feel are like, are you sure, you, that's are you sure, like, you kind of feel like, oh, that was the wrong decision, and then, okay, <laughs> you know. If you change your mind, give us a call, like, you know, whatever. Like, he doesn't, it's almost like he's doing her a favor. Like, it's no skin off his, his back if she says no. It's just like, hey, I noticed that you were in pain and you have a lot of power. I'll elevate you if you, if you want to. And if not, no big deal. So, I always like, that yeah. kind of reminded me of uh, the fear demon when he turns into, like, the tiny little... You know, yeah, yeah. like that kind of just deflation of the bad guy at the end. Like, not all bad guys are so bad, you know. Um, right, right. Like, um, this guy wasn't, I mean, he was kind of causing some damage, but he really wasn't, you know, he was just making an offer and, you know, he kind of yeah. happily goes away when she turns him down, so... Or, or like, you know, he's a really good salesman. He, he's yeah. not pushing it. It's not like the hard sell. Right. It's... He, he's just he's just sort of he's he's presented the offer he gave her his calling card and yeah. you know now he's gonna he's yeah. gonna go um <laughs> he might follow up in a couple of weeks just to see if she's changed her yeah. mind or yeah right but i think the other sort of thing out of that is that we get um well so first of all he's blue so there's another blue uh reference for the episode like physically his color is blue. I oh think. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's true. <laughs> uh, which I, you know, is neither here nor there, but it's just one of those additional little like points in the, yeah. in the theme. Um, 
but I like so sort of the off uh, the offshoot of that is that we get him, you know, this magic powerful demon acknowledging Willow's skill. Mm. So now it's not just Giles saying, you know, you can't do this, you shouldn't do this, it's dangerous. We have this guy who actually is very dangerous and can clearly do magic and, you know, can sort of magic her away to wherever, you know, whatever this dimension that they're in. And, you know, um, and not only does all that, but says our intention is not to squash a potential, quite to the contrary. So, yeah someone who actually sees potential in Willow's abilities. And that's sort of an interesting inversion of like, then you get Willow, you know, once she's back and realizes that she's done something wrong, she does the counterspell. No problem. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's, you, you get this very confident and, Oh, I can, I can do this. Like I, you know, I have the power in me. I clearly have the power in me because I did, the stuff that's screwing everything up right now, but right. like I also have the power to fix it. And I think that that's like, it's easy to just sort of look at, you know, her abduction and refusal of the position of vengeance demon as sort of like a funny little thing or whatever. But right. I do think that there's, that there's actual this, you, you know, sort of, I'm not saying she won't be upset about Oz leaving still, but right. Like, at least now she knows she has the power to sort of get over things and that she's, you know, she does have this other thing that she can focus on magic that isn't as quite as hopeless as she thought it was in the beginning. Um, Yeah. And and she uh, can bake cookies and ask for (laughs) forgiveness and all of that, too. But, uh, you know, in a weird kind of way, it's also not that her friends haven't been understanding but it's also someone acknowledging how much pain she's in and that does seem to kind of ease it at the end like that he like comes all the way here because what does he say um your magic is strong but your pain it's like a scream that pierces dimensional walls we heard your call so like that sounds like some powerful stuff you know like it's so it's almost like it it must help Willow to have someone else acknowledge we know how much pain you're in, you know, and mm. we can sense it, you know. Yeah. Um, like Even just if... having someone kind of tell her that they understand that yeah. and that they can feel it, you know, and then she kind of says, okay, I'll try for quiet rage, you know, like that to be, you know, being, having someone really, I think, empathize, you know, seems mm. like it helps a bit. You know, at the yeah. end, she kind of realizes, all right, you know, I really am in a lot of pain, but, you know, this is causing a lot of damage, and I need to start to work past that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and to have someone who, um, well, I almost just said who doesn't have an agenda, but I I mean, De Hoffman does sort of have an agenda, but I guess who Right, but he's like, invested he's an in outside Willow. party, yeah, he's yeah, not, like, yeah. Yeah, it's not just like, you know, Buffy or Xander saying, we understand, it'll get better, you'll feel better mm-hmm. soon. You know, like, you know, all the kind of like platitudes of, you know, just hang in there, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And 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 who isn't, like, I mean, he does clearly want Willow to be, you know, his vengeance demon or whatever, but it's not, he's not like 
like why what what would he have to gain by not being honest like why would he go and lie to willow and say that she's powerful or potential right. or whatever when she isn't there's right. no reason that he would have to do that he would either ignore her or kill her you right. know like right. as he would want to do like so yeah. if he actually sees value in her it must actually be be true right um right and he doesn't get anything from her in the end he goes away when she turns him down so it's not mm -hmm. like he was tricking her into you know like saying things to get a particular result so right. it kind of proves that you can kind of trust him you know yeah in a weird sort of way yeah, yeah. um so yeah yeah very very interesting um but yeah, we get sort of Willow back at her traditional self at the end and, yeah. and the sort of meeker, you know, yeah. again with the cookies and, and yeah. um, I, I love that she shoves one in Spike's mouth though. Yeah, Spike gets a cookie. Yeah. Um, Although we found out with Angel last week that they can't really taste food too well, so I don't know what pleasure he's getting from that cookie, but... Yeah... I, when it comes to like eating and slight, drinking various things, yeah. I think there there might be some inconsistency. A slight issues, inconsistency uh, there, through, but throughout both episodes here here and there, I think they're relatively minor. That's not I a think, big deal. I, I think the act of Spike getting a cookie. It's worth it. It's is, worth it for Spike getting a cookie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and even he's like talking about like, oh, I need to get the taste of Buffy out of my mouth. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So it's not even like, you know, it's clearly not a sustenance thing. It's, right, right. You know, a palate cleansing thing. But... Well, and you could see him saying that just to like get on their nerves. Like, right. oh, yeah, you're all having knows... cookies. I need a cookie too. Right. You know? It may not be scientifically accurate that he has the taste of Buffy. Right, in right. His mouth kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, no, he's just doing his like spike. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to make you all miserable while I'm at it kind of thing. Yeah, which I guess, so in the last few minutes, I do want to just talk about, like, their whole sort of situation with Spike, you know, outside of right. the magic stuff that happens in this episode. Um, but, like, even yeah. before that sort of happens, we get, we get like, this whole, you know, like, interrogation mm. scene, and, you know, he's chained to the bathtub, and, um, yeah, like, it's a weird sort of situation that they're in, because... He seems to be afraid that if he tells them too much, like I, I guess at this point I'm, and and even I haven't seen this a, a number of times, I'm still not entirely sure. Does he actually remember more than he's willing to acknowledge, or right. is he sort of playing it up and you know knowing that if he gives up too much too soon, that he's just going to get staked and. Right. You know, left for dust. Right. Or that he really doesn't know anything else. And then he'll get staked because he can't give them any more information. Right. Anyway. Like, yeah, yeah like maybe <laughs> his, the, the rumors of his knowledge are greatly right. exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated. Know? Yeah. Um, well, and it kind of brings and, and I wonder if that's it, because the scene where she tracks him down when they both sort of appear where they don't mean to be, he seems to be looking for it like. He's not just trying to escape her. He's genuinely trying to find, you know, the entrance, you know, like mm -hmm. to show her. So I do kind of wonder, like, is he trying to kind of act like he knows more than he actually does know, you know, so that they'll like help him get it reversed and help him figure it out and not stake him, you know? 
Um, mm. But it does kind of go back to what I was saying last week, which was like, that's a legitimate question. You know, if you have Spike helpless in your house, you know, uh, staking him seems to be one option that's on the table. Um, so, <laughs> so they're not taking. Yeah. Yeah. So he's certainly worried about that. They don't seem like that is the plan. Um, and I believe Giles and Buffy when they say that. Um, I don't think they're just saying that, like, lying to Spike, I think. It seems like, as long as he's like this, you know, yeah. staking is not on, is, it's not an option. But I was kind of glad, I, I kind of felt kind of vindicated to have that conversation, because I said that last time, so. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> but, you know, on the other hand, he is getting, you know, his daily fix of blood and mm-hmm. apparently he's uh fallen in love with this television program passions, passions. <laughs> uh which uh i believe was an actual or may even still be like soap opera uh-huh. um that we it won't be the last time we get a reference to passions passions <laughs> um it was it was a, a soap opera on nbc that aired from uh 1999 to 2007 okay so um huh. it was it was a very new program i guess at the time that this was yeah. uh on but it's uh yeah it apparently spike enjoys it um <laughs> or has come to enjoy it yeah uh being we don't know uh exactly how long he's been you know uh, by you know yeah. a week or whatever like you know i don't know but uh anyway so kind of kind of funny like he's he's going into a hissy fit because he's yeah. not able to watch passions and it's telly time yeah but anyway so good stuff good stuff very good stuff uh but we shall move on to the big bang big doctor bang. who um yeah ah, man I wasn't quite sure to where to start this. So I, I said when we were sort of discussing how we wanted to talk through things uh. that you should start <laughs> with whatever production notes you had. Yeah. It's like, cause you know, I'll have some, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll try to be quick cause I don't have a huge amount, but, um, so, uh, the two part finale Pandora opens in the big bang won the 2011 Hugo. Mm-hmm. So, Another winner here. Um, and it's number 42 on the most recent Doctor Who magazine poll. So pretty high overall. So this is definitely, you know, a successful episode for the fans and the critics. Um, and actually, I just found, I never read this before, but recently I came across a quote that in February 2013, Moffat, so we've had some episodes since then, so maybe this isn't true anymore, but as of last year, Moffat said that this was his personal favorite of all the episodes that he'd written to date. Um, he said, I thought it was, he said, I thought it was just a great, fun, funny, witty episode. I was proud of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't catch this in time for last week, but I figured it could go here. Um, the first part, the Pandora opens actually won, uh, the production designer, Ed Thomas, an award, um, or it, I'm sorry, it was nominated for an RTS television award for the production design. So I imagine that had to do with 
the Pandorica itself and that kind of Stonehenge and underneath yeah. Stonehenge, you know, kind of. So I figured we could talk, you know, that's relevant here because they're still using those sets and everything. So mm-hmm. um, from a production standpoint, you know, it also looked really good, you know, so it gets a little bit sure. of credit there as well. Sure. So yeah. that's that's it. So of of all the twisty turniness that is this episode, where would you like to start? Yeah, well, this is where it gets complicated, right? Yeah. So um, the I guess let's start with that, the complications, the sort of the complexities, yeah. the mythology, the all the different pieces that and I want to I want to scattered about I want to mention that line too because something I learned listening to the commentary was that they actually reshot that line of Amy saying okay kid this is where it gets complicated because the first time she did it I don't know whether Karen Gillen did this intentionally or whether she just forgot and misspoke but she changed the line to be okay, kid, this is where it gets really complicated. And Moffat saw that and said, no, you have to go back and redo it because that ruins the joke. Because, you know, to say it gets really complicated implies that, okay, it's been complicated up to this point and now we're kicking it to the new notch, you know, whereas the way he has it scripted, what it kind of says is all of that nonsense that's been happening for the first 10 minutes, that wasn't anything. Like, that wasn't even complicated at all. Now is where it gets complicated. And so, mm-hmm. like, it completely changes the joke. So, yeah. I just like that, that, like, it's such a bizarre opening to an episode. Yeah. And then you cap it off with, you haven't seen anything yet, you know? <laughs> right. So. Right. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. I, I guess let's talk about sort of man, I don't even know where to be because it is complicated. <laughs> I mean, we could we could sort of talk about the Pandorica and the cracks and the time yeah. stuff, the timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. Um, well, so here's a question. Did you yeah. Were you able to follow it? Did all the plot machinations track? And um, yeah, did they I'm, all kind of make sense in a weird, timey Doctor Who sort of way? I think so. I think actually, interestingly, sort of the the okay kid, here's where it gets complicated, does sort of set you off to say, okay, I need to really pay attention. Yeah. Because yeah. there are times where like, I'll watch but not to- totally have 100% concentration on an episode. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't just mean because I fall asleep within five minutes. <laughs> I I will go back and watch after that and but there were, you know, even sort of on that second take, uh, you know, it yeah. might not always have 100% concentration. So I think one that does set off like, okay, I need to pay attention and sort of think about what's happened. But I think the the sort of the early clues of like, I did, uh, like you can sort of tell the outline of the doctor at the door, like when he slips the... Mm-hmm flyer through the door and you can I mean I didn't necessarily 100% know that it was like the doctor who took her drink and then put the post-it note up and right, right. that kind of stuff but like you know that something weird is going on yeah. and these are all like I mean I 
I didn't really understand about the drink until later. But like, I mean, you know, like, okay, someone's leading her to this point. You know, stick around Pond while he's calling her Pond. So like, I mean, you kind of guess that it's probably the doctor or Mm -hmm. at least someone who's associated with the doctor kind of thing. Right. And, you know, so I mean, you do have the, but like, and then like jumping to like Rory and, you know, you know, sitting there holding Amy and the end of time has come and, Hmm. uh, you know, and then the doctor like just appears and he's like, well, you know, that was me, but it's not me now. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like all his, you know, stuff like holding the mop and then not holding the mop and coming back and forth and whatever. So like, I didn't, when you see that later and you, you know, and Rory points out, Oh, Oh, you have the mop. That's when you went back and saw me. And the doctor's like, Oh, okay, well then I'll go back and see you. And yeah, you know, kind of like that stuff. Um, and that is, and I, I, I like when you, we've talked wh- about the, the, we've been waiting for the Fez to turn up, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of why the Fez is there is to help you track the, the timeline, you know, like, okay. like that's kind of the idea is like, okay, he gets the Fez. Okay. He gets the mop. So then he goes back mm-hmm. and then he, you know, puts the mop through the doors and he doesn't have that anymore. So then he has to go and give the screwdriver, like, the props are there to help you keep an eye on yeah. what happens when, you know, and, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I did follow it, I think, for the most part. Um, the, what was I going to say? The, um, oh, the, the, the delayed joke of, you know, don't get in and then, you know, like 30 minutes later trouble you know you you get him coming back yeah. and saying you know stay out of trouble or whatever it is. i forget the exact line but you know the yeah you know where he just sort of cuts off as he disappears and then yeah you get it yeah you know however many minutes later yeah and uh yeah. that kind of thing's funny um so it is i mean it is complicated but i think you know followable like you do mm-hmm. and i didn't really pick up on that you know, it it was the mop and this and that that sort of helps you track it. But I think maybe sort of subconsciously you can you, you just sort of get that like, okay, yeah, this is the appropriate time for that right. sort of thing. And right. um and the and I like how <laughs> well, like the reference to the, you know, vortex manipulator and it's like, mm. you know, it's almost sort of like a drug, like, you know, oh I'm trying to yeah. kick yeah. it or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, or or at least like tobacco you know, like smoking habit kind of thing like yeah, maybe yeah. not a full-fledged hardcore drug but you know like you know it's like oh i'm trying to kick the habit you know it's yeah yeah you know, it's like a kind of it's like a cheap and dirty version of time travel he prefers yeah. to use his tardis you know but he'll use the he'll use yeah. it if he has to and and you get kind of hooked on it and everything um, um <clears throat> yeah no this is definitely, so I, I like I, I like that and i i like that it's his it's his mind working, you know, sort of sporadically and scatterbrained. And, yeah. Oh, oh, but wait, how did you know to come here? Oh, well, I better go fix that. And he comes back a few seconds later and, well, wait, you know, how did I get this again? And, you know, like, you know, all those little things that um, I think just sort of, I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, like you get the hints of that, like with, um, And we even see, you know, in this episode when he's kind of going backwards and seeing the cracks, like where Amy with the, um, the, the, the lodger 
you know, leaves the note. Um, yeah. He sort of makes reference to it as like, oh, that's Amy leaving the note, you know, a few weeks ago. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. well, we saw that episode. So like that, right. that makes right. sense. Like, but this like takes that to the nth extreme. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's all these little things where you get this idea that like this is really Time Lord in action. Right. right. It's yeah. not just yeah. like, you know, usually Time Lord is just, you know, going back and forth and then they kind of just sticks around in one particular era for a while, you know, I mean, a while, a day or so, you know, like, yeah, yeah. but he doesn't do the jumping. But I mean, here he's jumping back and forth millennia, yeah. you know, but then he's also jumping back and forth minutes. So, yeah. you know, this is sort of he does he does have to have a certain mastery to sort of do that. Um, yeah. And interesting to know that he can do that when called upon and is necessary, mm. even though at other times he may miss things by hundreds of years. Right. <laughs> you know, to, like, right. you know, but like those other times, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever, like we're just out about having a good time. This right. is like, no, it's really important that I get this right. Right. Like when the and fate of the universe depends on it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he does. I mean, so he is, you know, he, this is true Time Lord mastery coming sort of to fruition uh so yeah. to speak um yeah and showing his expertise and and uh all of that so yeah and actually i hadn't thought of this to bring this up before but that kind of reminds me like since the show started i think from davies into moffat we get this kind of escalating uh like every season finale gets bigger in terms of the threat. You know, like, if you think, like, mm. season one was so tame. Like, it was just, like, one, you know, like, you know, an army of Daleks, you know, and the Earth was in danger in the future, you know? But then, you know, suddenly, like, you know, things could get sucked into the void in season two, you know? And then season three, you know, the Master's gonna take over everything, you know? And then... Mm. Season four, the reality bomb's going to explode, you know, and now here we are, season five, and all of time is going to be totally unwritten like it never happened. So you're getting, as long with, along with, like, the escalation of what the Doctor can kind of do, or maybe, maybe more a revelation of what he can do, mm. you know, in correlation to the size of the threat, you know, um, and... It, I don't know whether it ever gets quite this big again. That, like, really, can you go any more epic than, like, yeah. all of time is being unwritten? Like, this might be about as epic as Doctor Who can get. Well, so it kind I guess... of feels right that the Doctor is, like, like you said, like, pulling out all the stops in terms of his ability yeah. to manipulate and control events, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. he has to because of the scale of the threat, so. Right, right. Um, yeah, no. Um, so sort of in and among all that, we get like this whole, like the Pandorica itself, mm. which, um, doesn't hop back and forth between time, but it travels, you know, like we all yeah. do one way slowly. Yeah. Uh, it takes the slow path. And, um, but the, you know, we get sort of the, the explication of its, you know, capabilities i guess yeah. uh where you know amy's dead but not completely right. dead kind of right. and so like it keeps her in stasis and um just needs the 
you know, living DNA from Amelia to yeah. uh, sort of revive her, which is sort of eerily reminiscent of when Rose touches the Dalek. Right. Way yeah. back in, yep. in the episode Dalek. Um, that it's, oh, you know, just that one single touch, you know, I was able to replicate DNA and, mm. you know, regenerate and all of that. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get Amy's regeneration sure. in this. Sure, yeah. Uh, in a sense, and um, yeah, that's that's interesting. But so, and then you get the idea that um, it's so. What I like about the Pandora box is that okay, yes, you have all these like races that banded together to trap the Doctor in, and you get like sort of the mythology, like he's the bad thing that's in right. Pandora's box right, and all right. of that. But in doing so, in creating that well one they're basically causing yeah and we talked a little bit about this mm-hmm. last time like by boxing the doctor up they're causing the end of the universe that right. supposedly right they're trying to prevent right right um but at the same time they also inadvertently save the universe because it's the very thing that they built to contain the doctor which ends up containing you know, these particles that, you know, end up being the life-giving essence, you know, that that the doctor needs to restore the universe at the same. So it's like, (laughs) like they destroy the universe with their creation, (laughs) but also kind of save it, but not in the way that they think they're going to save it. So there's like multiple sort of layers of irony going and even just like sort of the whole concept and creation of the Pandorica uh, to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. The, you know, I mean, as a device, it, you know, it is what it is. It's like a big Rubik's Cube. And you wonder, like, <laughs> okay, like, obviously, Amy's been in here for 2,000 years or, you know, close on that. But the, uh, you know, but you get the, the idea that, like, the people who discovered this thing just never knew what to do with it. Like, <laughs> they just thought it was, like, a big stone that had yeah. some carvings in it or something. Like, um all of that. So it's nobody ever thought to like open it up because maybe they didn't realize it could open up, you know, like, right. Or like you, I don't even know that they could have, you know, like it only cause you know, even the doctor never really figured out how to open it. Right. It kind of opened itself. Um, so I imagine it only opens when it, when it's time for it to open, you know, that it's the perfect prison. I don't know that anybody could break into it. Except that Rory opens it pretty easily with the sonic screwdriver. That's a good point. But I don't, I mean, maybe that's because the doctor's already in it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, and the doctor seems to know that Rory can open it with the sonic screwdriver pretty easily. Like, there's, right. there is a sort of weird, like, I'm not entirely sure how that works, but. Right, right. You know, I yeah. mean, it's not the first time in Doctor Who that we're not quite sure how things work. Sure. And it's that classic, like, predestination paradox thing of the chicken or the egg you know like okay he knows he can open it because he knows that he opened it in the future you know like that weird of like okay because rory opened it with the sonic he now knows that it can be opened with the sonic so he tells Mm -hmm. him to open it with the sonic (laughs) so like who like you know there's no beginning point to that train of thought you know it sort yeah. of just goes in a circle. Um, right. Right. And well, and even like with Rory, Rory's the one who tells him that he 
takes the the mop back in time. Right. So right. he goes back in time, and Rory right. sees him with a mop. Yep. So it's like, yeah, yeah. There are a number of those little sorts of things here. Yeah, like well, um, and, and even just how does he get back from the future in the first place? He's only in the future because Rory helped him escape, which he told him to do from the future. Yeah. Right. Right. Like yeah. Um. um so I, and I like Robert. that line about. Oh, I have a future. That's nice. <laughs> He's just happy to know that he yeah. exists in the future. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, an interesting um, Robert Heinlein story called All You Zombies, mm. which is... I think I've read that. that. Yeah. That has that same sort of back and forth, like yeah. chicken, egg, you know, roundabout yeah. uh, thing to it. Um, yeah, Moffat is very fond of that. That seems to be Moffat's, uh, uh, well, let's come back to it later. But I, de I think Moffat definitely likes that device. I mean, that's definitely yeah, well, been blink. blink. That's all blink yeah. is, 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 yeah. is circles and, you know, cause and effect. So, right. you know. Yep. Um, I mean, other, even in this, thing... you get you get differing timelines and rewritten history. So it's not to say that like everything is always faded in the Moffat stories, but I do think he likes that idea of the loop. Um, yeah. Um, the other thing that's like even more minor than, uh, you know, any of the stuff we talked about, but it's just like, when you think about it, you're like, Oh, and is uh, the drink. Yeah. You know, so Amelia is thirsty so the doctor goes back and steals the drink, but maybe it's because he stole the drink that she that was thirsty, thirsty in the first, like, right. cause she didn't have the drink to be yeah. drinking that yeah. whole time. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. If you had just left the drink with her, would she right. have not so be thirsty? thirsty. Right. Like, right. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> who knows? Um, it's the kind of refrigerator logic that keeps you up late at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, and Right, and that and that has absolutely no bearing on the story whatsoever. But it is the sort of thing that you just sort of find yourself thinking about and wondering. And I just like um, that bit of those little bits of color with little Amelia when she's there, like yeah. that she's just there in this. Kid. I like when she like tugs on his. Yeah, I'm thirsty. You know, Give me a drink. Like, you like. Yeah. And she's just so great. Like, she's just like the most unfazed yeah. kid in the history of the world. Like, this is right. the kid who said like you know, you're funny and like, I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of anything, you know, like yeah. she like sees the Pandorica and Daleks and this weird doctor and, you know, whether she realizes that Amy is herself in the future or whatever. And she's just like going with the flow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, mostly she's worried about the fact that she's thirsty. So <laughs> yeah. As like, yeah, kids will. Yeah. Like, you could be in the most amazing place in the world, and, you know, there could be an earthquake going on or whatever, but if they're thirsty or they're hungry yeah. or whatever, that's all they think about. And, you know, okay. Um, but you mentioned um, a moment ago, like, you get the re rewriting of time and the storyline and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about the cracks and sort of the backwards trajectory or transversal yeah. or whatever of the season sort of in a way, um, which is sort of interesting uh, comparison 
I mean, it's not the very end of this episode because then we get the wedding stuff after. But yeah. like, you know, sort of like the end of the main action of yeah. this, you know, plot driven episode. Um, you parallel that to the beginning of last episode with the forward movement through time mm-hmm. of, you know, Vincent Van Gogh drawing the or painting the picture, you know, to the finding of it by Roosevelt to, or Roosevelt, to Churchill. (laughs) I don't know how I mixed the two of them up. Um, I mean, same wars and stuff, I guess, but (laughs) anyway, um, to the, uh, you know, to like the future with River Song and stuff. So now you get the the backwards motion, uh, different events, not the same events, but you get sort of the parallel of that, um, you know, here with the the cracks and sort of the revisiting of these different yeah. scenes, um, and seeing um, you you had mentioned to me briefly last week that there there mm. there was something in this episode that sort of makes you look at a particular moment in a completely new light, and of course, it's when Amy when the doctor leaves Amy in the ship yeah. there. And um, she's closing her eyes. And I had, so a couple thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor comes up and talks to her. And I did wonder at the time, like, why did he come back? Well, of course, the yeah. answer is he didn't come back. Right. Um, yeah. And it did seem kind of weird to me at the time that, that he did come back. But, you know, at the same time. Yeah. You know, you know, she's scared and, you know, whatever. So, you you know, you're just thinking like, okay, well, he he actually came back to console her. He didn't actually come back to console her. Right. Or at least not then. Not then, He came yeah. back much later to console her. Yeah. Um, but also not just to console Not her. just to it console. Was, Please remember me. <laughs> it was, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, it, there is a self-serving element to it, of course. Yeah. But, but there's. But I do think it also is, you know, to console her too. Yes, because yeah. just he, in a way, he knows that his being around is a consolation, you know. So there's a dual sort of aspect to it. But, um, you know, obviously in that in that scene, we get the, you know, yeah, the exhortation to you have to remember what I told you mm-hmm. when you were seven or whatever. Yeah, six. and it's... Whatever, yeah, I don't, and whatever, it, whatever age I think it was. it was seven, and it, and seven. It, it, I can't just tell you, you have to remember, otherwise, yeah, that's the whole point, you know. <laughs> but it didn't actually because, again, at the time, you know, the first time in, in that episode, what, what what was the name of that episode? Because that was in the second part of the two parter, wasn't it? Yeah, Flesh and Stone, um, Flesh and Stone, mm. um, in that episode. I was. I remember actively trying to think. What did he tell her? Right. Right. Exactly. When she was seven, and and the only thing that I could come up with, and I don't even remember if I said this on the podcast or if this if this was just something I thought, but the only thing I could think of at the time was um, his comment about you know, you know how adults always tell you it's going to be all right, and then right. you know it's not all right, yeah. and that's at the time that was the statement that I thought he was referring to, not. Mm you know, whatever about memory. And it wasn't actually until the second time that I watched it through this time, you know, this episode Mm. was, which is, you know, 
what the fourth time that I saw that scene, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, yeah. if I've watched them both twice, um, that I realized, duh, he hasn't told it to her yet. Right. Like, even though it's, you know, to her, yeah. it was what it happened when she was seven or whatever. But there's also the sense that he hasn't told it. He hasn't yeah. gone back and rewritten that history yet. Yeah. So not only, like, on the one hand, you know, she could just be like, she just doesn't remember what he told her. But on the other hand, it's like, well, he hasn't actually told her yet. Yeah. So she wouldn't remember. It's not actually a part of her memory yet. And it doesn't become a part of her memory until, you know. Right whatever the next scene right. you know, when he's actually in her room uh and talking to her yeah and i wanted to definitely go through like some of that yeah speech um, um and real quick before we do that too i just want to mention that i didn't want to flag it too hard because i thought it would be too much of a giveaway but um in that scene where you realize later that it's him you know kind of going backwards he's wearing his jacket um and he's not in the real him like from that timeline um Mm -hmm. and so there were people who watching that episode noticed that but it was all over the internet as like a continuity error like and so it's like an intentional continuity error that's a clue like it's meant to fool you into thinking oh they made a mistake he shouldn't be wearing his jacket and then it's not until you get to the end of the season you realize oh of course he's not wearing his jacket and like that's why he doesn't have the jacket anymore so that you can see the difference between the two doctors so anyway i just think laying in easter egg continuity errors is kind of a great way to go about telling your story yeah so yeah no that is good i bet and all those people probably felt dumb after that they're like oh okay yeah well everyone thought they're so clever because they caught on to the mistake and it's not a mistake at all it's totally deliberate so yep um but Um, yes please go through what he tells Amy yeah, to remember. Right, so he goes back, so we, and, and, and I, I like that we don't just go back actually to her room and find her sleeping, but it's it's the night that she was waiting. Yeah. It's, you know, he, he finds her there. Because you do wonder, like, how did she get back inside? Yeah. And, well, it's because yeah. he carried her back inside. Aww. He takes her back in. And, and um, so he says to her, I thought if you could hear me, I could hang on somehow. Silly me, silly old doctor. When you wake up, you'll have a mom and dad, and you won't even remember me. Well, you'll remember me a little. I'll just be a story in your head, but that's okay. We're all stories in the end. Just make it a good one, eh? Uh, because it was, you know, it was the best. The daft old man who stole a magic box and ran away. Did I ever tell you that I stole it? Well, I borrowed it. Mm-hmm. I was always going to take it back. Oh, that box. Amy, you'll dream about that box. I'll never leave you. Big and little at the same time. Brand new and ancient and the bluest blue ever. And the times we had, would would have had, never had, in your dreams will still be there. The doctor and Amy Pond, and the days that never came, the cracks are closing, but they can't close properly up until I'm on the other side. <clears throat> I don't belong here anymore. I think I'll skip the rest of the rewind. I hate repeats. <laughs> Live well. Love, Rory. Bye-bye, Pond. Um, so, no, I mean, it's just such a great thing. And, of course, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's all sort of rambly and doctory and yep. you know whatever but you don't realize how well crafted it is until later yeah uh, and you, <laughs> you get, get the big the, payoff yeah you, you get the payoff of you know the something borrowed something yeah. blue something gold something new yeah. um the the or i probably switched that the wrong way but um 
yeah and you get all of those in there right you know did i ever tell you i stole it well i borrowed it yeah like you yeah. know like which is which is maybe you know, a stretch of, we can maybe take that with a grain of salt like well is the doctor the classic, ever gonna return that box i don't think so and that's a classic you, yeah i mean you yeah. know a five-year-old gets caught with something i wasn't stealing it i was borrowing it. yeah like, yeah, you know, yeah like you know you get caught red-handed. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, that's I was going to take it back. You know, I was going to yeah. take it back. I was going to give it back. I was, or I was going to pay you for it. I just didn't have the money yeah. right now. And, um, and, but you get that, like, I mean, you know, the the with the you know big and little at the same time. You're like, oh yeah, it is. You mm-hmm. know, it's just a small little police box, but it's bigger on the inside and you know, brand new and ancient. And, you know, it's like, well, yeah, because, you know, it can go all over in time. So it's, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. And it does, you know, we have seen it sort of regenerate Well, that's itself, what I was going like to say is doctor, it, it regenerates like you know, he does. So, so it's always a new version of the yeah, old ancient um, box. Yeah. And and we talked about um, sort of the tone of the blue, mm. you know, in this yeah, new version, newest armor. version. I say new. I mean, it's been the whole season now at this point. So it's right, right. Yeah. So we're getting like this, you know, idea of of it being the bluest blue ever and yeah. that kind of thing. So, um, you know, all those things, and it's that, and you know, I mean, you're think, you know, I I guess you have to think sort of later that it he's thinking ahead to her wedding, right. At the age of seven, you know, he's telling her all this. Yeah. And it's that memory, you know, and, and you get that she still had the imaginary friends, mm-hmm. you know, stuff going on. But uh, it wasn't until that moment, yeah. you know, however many, 15, whatever, yeah. however many years later, uh, that, you know, one little, you know, custom Right. Uh, you know, rhyming thing right. is what makes her realize that it was all actually true in the end. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's definitely how I, how I read it is, yeah, that he's planting that seed, not a hundred percent sure, but pretty laying it all on the line that she's going yeah. to, you know, that, that, that's going to trigger it and that he doesn't really get fully restored, I guess. Until she does stand up and, you know, remember him and sort of declare it. Um, yeah. 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 And it, um, is, it is so great when you realize that's such a hero moment of the camera, like, going in on Amy as she says the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. And you realize, oh, like, yeah. there it yeah. is. It's and it all just sort of falls into place, yeah. No, yeah. it's very well, you know, the, the Tolkienian Yucat oh, yeah. moment, yeah. you know, right there when, um, when she does remember it. And well, and I mean, let's not diminish River's sort of hand in it too, yeah. her walking by and yeah. the, the diary and all of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in the diary and like people in bow ties and suspenders and little things that yeah. just remind her of the Doctor. Um, but it, I mean, but ultimately it is that, uh, that sort of speech. And I like, you know, I like that he sort of acknowledges like, yeah, I wasn't sure if that was going to work. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like maybe, maybe it wasn't gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't, I don't think diminish, you know, the potential sacrifice, you know, that he was making that, uh, you know, a universe without the doctor. Um, but I like, again, we're back to Moffat and that meta level of 
it being kind of self-aware as a story that like you know we're all just stories in the end just make it a good one you know and then mm. you know the doctor is you know a story in her head but that's kind of what makes him real and i like that bit where she says like i found you in words and everything that like her experience of the story of the doctor is kind of her her memories of him and her stories of him are what's real um mm -hmm. so again playing with all those like what's a story what's real what's not you know are we in a story or not you know how is this all working so i like when moffat works on those levels sure sure um yeah, and I, I I like that, you know, the we're all stories in the end, just make it a good one. Mm. You know, it's it's a yeah, there is that that sort of self awareness of not just that they're in a story, but that like people make stories for themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, that you people do have sort of the running narrative of their lives going on and mm. you know how you see yourself is you know are are you a hero are you a sad case are you you mm. know this or that and um and of course it changes throughout life as you know it yeah. does in in a tv show you know mm. people characters change or whatever but and the way we see ourselves changes hopefully um and, but there's always but there is still sort of a continuity too you know mm. there's always sort of we we're always us we always feel like ourselves but even when we do change like you know there's significance there i guess mm. um speaking of people who have changed <laughs> we should talk about rory a bit um because he's not the same rory no but he is um in a way uh i like that the doctor gets them all riled up to the point where he punches where yeah. Rory punches him and yeah. um, and then you realize it it was exactly that. It was the doctor trying to get him riled up and yeah. trying to see if he actually is Rory yeah. in sort of the meaningful sense. Not yeah. you know, not that he's a nesting duplicate, right. but a uh, you know, an actual thing who is alive and has feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, that your girlfriend isn't you know, is it more, more important, important than, than the rest of the universe? And yeah. punches him out into the... <laughs> she is to me! Um, and, you know, welcome back! <laughs> um, no, I, I, think that's, I think that's great. Because, and, I mean, there is still that sort of desire of, you know, you want the actual Rory back. But, mm -hmm. you know... At the same time, I mean, this is a self-aware being person, you know, yeah. like, so, you know, how do you get that other Rory back? Like, would this one have to die? And if so, what, how would that look? You know, that kind of, mm -hmm. so, you know, there is complexity there. Like, is, you know, I mean, and, and it's not obviously the first time that science fiction has ever explore, explored the possibility of like, you know, a robot or Android or whatever you want to call them. Right you know, coming to life, right. you know, per se, or what is where, what is the definition of life, you know, insofar as that sort of thing occurs. Um, that happens quite a lot in science fiction. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, you get that at least to the point where the doctor seems to have accept, accepted him and he goes, you know, why do, why do you have to be so human mm. when he's, 
uh, when Rory is sort of expressing his desire to stay with Amy and, mm-hmm. and make sure that she and the Pandorica are safe throughout history. Um, and his reply is because I'm not one at this yeah. point, which is in a way sort of equating himself with the doctor at that point. Yeah. You know, it's like we, you know, we've talked about sort of the humanity versus non-humanity of the doctor. And it's like, it is that his alienness at times is what makes him so human. Right. In a right. Weird sort of ironic way. Yeah. Um, or, or the, the awareness of their inhumanity is what makes them desire to be the most human, you know, to yeah, like, that's the motivation to want to, be you know good Mm -hmm. and do the right thing and be heroic because they're afraid they won't you know yeah um and i like the idea of rory the centurion uh becoming this sort of mythical figure you know throughout history because he's so ordinary and innocuous and whatever but right no he gets up to that mythical level just like the doctor and amy have yeah yeah um but he yeah and he you know, you, you hear about these things that he's done. And I guess, so apparently he's somewhat stronger as, right. <laughs> you know, the nesting duplicate, yeah. like, cause he can like sort of pull the whole entire yeah. Pandorica out of, you know, the bomb yeah. building and that sort of thing. Right. But, um, you know, but you do, yeah, sort of get the, like it becomes, yeah, not just that it's this guy guarding a box, but that he does have this sort of superhuman strength to him and, mm. you know, uh yeah definitely becomes this very heroic figure um which you know makes me think back to like the the picture that um river found of him in the in the mm-hmm. centurion suit for halloween yeah, kind of thing yeah. where he's total totally just a goofball but here right, he's actually right. but a little bit of you know, like protecting. foreshadowing of what he could yeah. do and everything um um and and also a couple other things of again like bringing him more into alignment with amy um you get the idea that he's now the boy who waited like yep. that he yeah instead of her waiting in her garden for the box with the doctor he waits outside the box which has amy inside it you know for two thousand years mm. to keep her yeah. safe um so that's yeah, kind way of a more nice than yeah whatever, it's a long time know, however many years it's a long time and uh, and then also you get <laughs> the um, the fact that he's now Mr. Pond. You know, she's not Amy Williams. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. Rory Pond. And <laughs> it is definitely a fan convention to refer to them as the Ponds, that they take okay. Amy's name. And so if you ever see, like, that's pretty much how you'll see them referred to, like, online. I, I've and seen... conversation is as the Ponds, so... Yeah, I've seen even, and I don't know if this is something the doctor actually says or if it's just mm-hmm. extrapolation, but I've seen like people tweet out, you know, the ponds are cool or ponds are cool or something like that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I wasn't entirely sure if that meant Rory and Amy, mm-hmm. but I kind of suspected yeah. it did. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it kind of made sense, but like the, the reference there actually totally made me think of those sorts of references. Yeah. Um, that yeah, he is now Mr. Pond. He's Mr. Pond, and, <laughs> and goes back to um the Vampires of Venice, right? Yeah. Where where he's like, oh, we're we're not really her boys, and doctors, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, we, we are. are, yeah. Like like here again, he's trying to deny. Well, I'm not. That's not the way it works. It, 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That's the way it works. And and just the acknowledgement of of, uh, Pond is such a great name. Like, it seems like kind of an obvious point to make, but just like, you know, the Ponds is so much cooler than the Williams, you know, like, and, and his name being kind of more of the thing of the mundane world, whereas like the Ponds are more the fairy tale heroes who go off Mm. and have adventures and everything. So kind of embracing the pondness of, you know, which is what they do in the end, you know, that they, you know, yeah. Farewell the wedding and go off a traveling again. And, and it's definitely, um, you know, Rory is the, it's not the same Rory, right? It's, 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 now he's okay. Like it, it's not the Rory who wanted to settle down and become a doctor right. and whatever. Like now he's sort of the fulfillment of what he said in, you know, um, Amy's choice where, mm-hmm. you know, now it, it really is Amy's choice. He's just along with her because wherever he goes with her, it's great. You know, yeah, um, that kind of thing. Like it's, you know, I mean, it's totally, you know, she's the one who's still sort of leading but Mm -hmm. he's right there you know to be with her like with the oh you're right it is time to say goodbye isn't it and yeah where he's like yep let's say goodbye but like it's not like you feel like in the past like even just like three or four episodes ago like rory would have been saying goodbye to the doctor and wanting Mm -hmm. to go back you know yeah to ledworth whereas now they're both on the same page it's we're saying goodbye to ledworth and we're moving on yeah to uh you know wherever the doctor is going to take us <laughs> like right so um anyway uh yeah no i like that so and at this point it is real rory again mm, right because yes. now this is right this is yeah. time restored we're not right like so we do kind of get the best of both worlds we get yeah rory the nesting duplicate who was a human and it's almost like in a almost pinocchio like way he's now a real boy yeah, like right, you know yeah, like yeah. he he yeah. becomes rory again like he's found his uh you know realness uh yeah so we're back to where we were in the beginning so so yeah, yeah it is kind of that best of both worlds like, yeah you have all the memories of all the various lives and timelines and permutations but you also have the full complete you know, restored mm-hmm. version of things. Um, yeah, with real Rory and uh, and the doctors there and the family's back and everything, you know. So, and actually, I kind of want to bring that up too, that like, I think this is kind of a departure for, you know, now that we're into the Moffat era. Um, I had mentioned how, like, every single Davies season ends with a farewell you know, and Mm. winning, but it being like a bittersweet, you know, there's always a painful goodbye, you know, that whether it's the ninth doctor and then Rose and then Martha and then Donna and then the 10th doctor. Right. So now we get the, through the first season and we don't have that. We have pretty much the first, to my mind, the first unabashedly happy ending for the whole season, you know, like where, Everything turned out well. Um, 
Yeah. You know? Well, this is this is the seasonal version of Everybody Lives. Yeah. Right? Just this once. Everybody yep. Lives. Yep. It's just this Which, just this So you can already where... see how, not that Moffat yeah. never does sad endings, and not that Davies never no, does sure. happy endings, but sure. you can see how that's a Moffat thing, you know? And that doesn't mean nothing, you know, because the whole point of this, just this once everybody lives is that usually it doesn't work that way. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that is kind of a Moffat, you know, if the Davies theme is everything ends, everything dies, <laughs> the Moffat theme is more so, I think, that kind of you catastrophic, you know, happy ending of restoration and, you know, the family's back and everybody lived. Um like literally like they restored the whole universe you know like mm. it doesn't undo all of the sad things but you know it goes about as far as you can in terms of like reversing all the bad things as many of them as you can so um and you end with no well there's the goodbye farewell of they're off traveling but there's no none of those but it's like happy. it's happy it's not that yeah. loss you know both the doctor right, is still the you know still the eleventh doctor and the pawns are with him. So right, um, right. This is this is the pawns going off on their honeymoon. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Like it, you know, it's 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 there. There is a happiness to it. It's yeah. you know, not not at all the departure mm-hmm. of someone you'll never see again. Sort of feel yeah. like with uh, Davies. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, so I think worth noting because that's a change, I think, from what we've seen sure. in all the previous finales. So. Sure. Um, and so we probably should talk a little bit about River as well. Yeah. More than just sort of mentioning her off the cuff. Because mm-hmm. I want to... So, uh, well, and we don't... I mean, obviously, she doesn't sort of come in right away. It's not until... I don't know, third or even closer to halfway through the episode that she that yeah. she comes in. Yeah. Um but the, you know, uh <laughs> one I love that like her first statement is, you know, about the doctor's fashion yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the quick quickly developing conspiracy that she and Amy uh pull together to mm-hmm. destroy the Fez. Yeah. Uh yeah. is kind of funny. Like it it's just like yeah, not gonna work. No, yeah, we'll give you the bow tie. The fez, yeah, is not cool, and we're gonna get rid of that. Yeah, and apparently, <sighs> just like he introduced the fez to like help track the time travel, Moffat knew, and I think he and the other producers said you can't actually give Matt Smith this fez because he'll never take it off. So he knew <laughs> as soon as I put it in, I have to get rid of it. So that's why he destroyed yeah. it. So, like I've seen Matt Smith say, like. He blew up that fez because he knew I liked it and that I don't. Right. I want to wear it all the time, and he just wasn't <laughs> going to let me. So they had to blow it up. That's so. hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I mean, the sort of important moment uh, comes when the doctor gets shot by the Dalek, right? Mm-hmm. And it's his, uh, and then you know disappears, and we know where he goes because we saw it yeah. earlier in the episode, but. Um, and then see him again, you know, later, but, uh, you know, the, the, 
the whole scene there with her and the Dalek and, you know, the Dalek mm-hmm. sort of say, you know, oh, I recognize you. You're an associate of the doctor, which means you will give me mercy. Yeah. And, and um, just the like little bits of more insight into River's character and background. And mm-hmm. here, here we get that, you know, I thought it was a nice echo of um, Silence in the Library mm-hmm. where she says, check your records again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, in Silence in the Library, it's, it's, uh, or what, or is it the second half of that one uh, where he says, you know, you're in the biggest library in the world. Look me yeah, up, look me you up. know, like, yeah. you know, look up what I'm really like yeah. and that kind of thing. And that's sort of river's version of doing that. Yeah. And I guess even, even in this season, going back to the season premiere, um, the doctor sort of does that with the, the, you know, sure. guardians of prisoner zero. He's like, you know, check, check and see, you know, is this planet protected? Right, and, right. you know, check your records. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I mean, so we get more than just the one instance of it, but I th- I thought it was a nice little parallel there with River Song saying that same kind of sentiment, you know, you better, yeah. you better double check and see who I really am because yeah. the way that you're representing me right now may not be accurate. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and like, in some ways she's, you know, uh, she's definitely a companion, but she doesn't fulfill quite that role of the traditional companion of like you know the the roses and the donnas and the amys and all that of more the kind of you know the doctor's like the the normal person and like the doctor's sort of conscience you know and who kind of stands for decency and mercy and you know and and hope and all these things that river's not necessarily that kind of companion um, no, no. She's, and I she's think more like Jack. That. She's more of a wild card. And yeah, like, you know, you think I'm a, you think I'm a companion, but if you look me up specifically, you might yeah. find out something else. So yeah, right. And associate might be technically right, right to describe, you know, that she has a relationship with the doctor and sometimes associates with him. Right. <laughs> but it's not right. It's not in that companion sense. She, it's, that sometimes their paths cross and when they do they're on the same side it seems for the most part Mm -hmm. but she does have her own agenda and she does have her own will and she has her own ideas of what right and wrong are Mm -hmm. um and you know one of those being she's not afraid to point a gun at the last specimen of a species and kill it if it possesses a danger yeah or you know uh points of danger at, at her and the ones that she loves. Yeah. So, um, and, and we get that just momentarily the brief, uh, uh, you know, mention from her of, you know, it didn't, it didn't make it like, you know, it's like, or I, what, what is it exactly? I forget the exact words that she used, but basically indicating that she killed the Dalek. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like what happened to the Dalek? She says it died. And it's like, yeah. All right. Well, that's a passive aggressive way of saying I killed it. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. Like um, interpret that. Yeah. There's also, so, um, the, that, and maybe you were going to bring this up, but, um, when they can't find the doctor and they said like, where'd he go? He was dead, you know, and who told you that the doctor 
and she says, rule one, the doctor lies. Yeah. Which is yeah, no, I definitely wanted to mention that. Interesting insight into both of them, actually, I think. Um, so go ahead. What the, were your thoughts on that? Well, no, just, yeah, I think there's two things there. One, um, that she knows the doctor well enough to know this about him, that yeah. you can't trust what he says. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, you have to make your own analysis based on what's actually happening. Yeah. Um, but I guess the other the other sort of thing would just be that, like, we know she's not 100% truthful either, mm. right? And that there's, I mean, you know, her constant thing of, you know, spoilers is also sort right. of a way of her hiding right. who she really is. And mm -hmm. um, we don't know why she knows this about the doctor or what he's lied about to her. Right. You know, because presumably she knows this because she's been, I don't know if victim's quite the right word, but maybe the target of his lies in the past, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So I don't Is there something else you wanted to point out about that? I don't think so. I think definitely the points about like her, yeah, like her intimacy with that, that that's a common enough thing that that's like rule one, you know, that. Mm -hmm. That's the thing above all else, which you must remember about the doctor. Um, and I guess just what an interesting trait to make it to number one, you know, like that's kind of, sure. you know, of all the things you need to know about the doctor, I presume it's at number one because that's the most important, you know? Um, so it's hmm. an interesting, you know, I don't quite know, like it doesn't, I, I don't know what to do with that in the sense of like, that doesn't necessarily make me like reevaluate everything he's ever said or anything. But I think it's interesting to realize that that deceitful trickster quality is like that high, uh, you know, a part yeah. of his character that river calls that like rule one, you know, of what you yeah. need to know about the doctor. Um, yeah. So, well, and yeah, you're just, even your mention of the trickster just reminds me of, of the description of the mythology of, of the, the Pandora, Pandora right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, like it's, you know, it's a trickster or a warrior or, you know, yeah, like there's yeah. a couple of different things there that he, and it's like, well, or all of the above. Right, Like, right. you know, the kind of, the doctor is all of the above in, the, in mm -hmm. that instance. Um, yeah. But then of course, so uh, we, we mentioned River sort of walking by the window to help trigger Amy's memory, but the sort of more important scene from the wedding there is, of course, at the end when um, she retrieves her journal from the doctor and he doesn't read it he tells her he do didn't read it but we, we also, also just learned the doctor that lies <laughs> we also just learned that the doctor lies yeah, so yeah. maybe we're not entirely but yeah. you know what i get the feeling that at this point yeah he's at this point i feel like he's being honest yeah with river yeah i believe him in that moment too um because i think he doesn't yet know what he can lie about right like River still seems to know him better than he knows her, yeah. even though he's getting to know her better. Yeah, I mean, clearly, it's clear that she knows him better than he knows her. Yeah. So, like, and and I always, every time I see the two of them together, that seems to me to make him uncomfortable. Mm. That she knows him better than he knows her. Like yeah. he doesn't seem like the kind of person who likes. To have other people know what he's like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, 
he likes to remain somewhat of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Like it almost seems like if if you get to the point where you know him that well, like he gets bored of you or <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if if there's no other if there's no miss if he can't yeah. be a mystery and still surprise you, then he's the one who gets bored. It's not you that gets bored necessarily. It's he's the one that gets bored right. with you because he can't surprise you anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's totally off the cuff. I don't have evidence to back that up, but that yeah. sort of would be my assessment. But I, that, that whole dialogue of, you know, are you married? You know, are you asking? Yeah. Yes. You know, like, yeah. Well, wait, no, I didn't actually mean I'm asking you to marry me. I meant I'm asking if you are married. And yeah. you said yes. yes. Like, <laughs> no, but well, was that yes or yes? Like, yes. You know, <laughs> yes. Um, that whole. I know. And, great, and she's loving it. And, and he's like so pissed off. He's, like, <laughs> he's tortured by yeah. it. Yeah. Um, which I think seems to add to her liking. Yeah. You know, of the copies. Yeah. Like, it's not just that she likes. The sort of the teasing of it, but the fact that he is tortured by it, yeah. which actually sets her off. Mm-hmm. Even, or... Anyway. Um, yeah. The, so, you know, and of course we've seen the sort of teasing, the back and forth before, and I still like, you know, Amy's, you know, response to, you know, River asking, you know, do you really think that a relationship with the doctor is that simple? And and Amy is yep. yes, yep, <laughs> yeah. it is that simple. Yeah, and here you know again we're just toying with that, and we know we're toying with it. But yeah. I mean, you know, we're at a wedding and we're talking about are you married, and you know this and that. Like so, there's there's definitely and we're talking getting, about did you pick up? We're talking uh, about dancing at weddings too. You yeah, know? you always yeah. dance at weddings. You always dance so at weddings. Like, well, you tell me to an. You know, and like to say someone always does something doesn't imply like you've seen them do it twice. Right. You know what I mean? Like it seems like you've been to a number of weddings right. together. Right. Like so that, you know, enough that you can come up with a generalization of how you act at weddings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's very interesting. Um, and then, of course, the premonition, not premonition, but uh, foreshadowing, whatever you mm. want to call it, of that they will meet again Mm -hmm. and 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 so you know referring back to jack we get the you know that's when everything changes right you know jack was the one who always said you know 21st century that's when everything changes and yeah uh, which i guess is more of a torchwood idea than necessarily doctor who but um same same world i guess and so yeah you get this idea that there's something big coming up um Mm -hmm. But, you know, then again, River always sort of hints, even yeah. despite her spoilers, you know, remarks, like she always sort of hints yeah. at what the next thing is. We we got the hint about the Pandorica, you know, last time we saw her. And yeah. uh, we didn't, I didn't know what that meant, but, you know, I mean, and I don't know what it means that everything's going to change for the better well, or for the but, worse. Well, but it even gets, it's even a little bit more specific than that, because she says, he asks, who are you? And she says, you're going to find out very soon now. So, mm-hmm. you know, the apparently it's the result or the effect of that that causes everything to change. That's what it sounds like to me, that you're going to find this out, yeah. and that's when everything changes. So right. it, it, it's more than... 
that that seems to imply, I think, a certain amount of uh, earth-shatteringness to that revelation. You know, that, like, it changes things. It changes everything mm-hmm. to learn yep. about that. Uh, so, and, so, yeah, I it's, mean, even, at this point, it's, it's even pretty specific. You know, she says you're going to find out yeah, who yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah. Um, and, you know, still thinking about, like, sort of what we know about River. I mean, the fact that she knows his name. And we haven't seen where the doctor tells her his name yet so like Mm. there's a big potential for that to be a big moment you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like if if we see that or maybe it's not something we ever see so i don't know but like that yeah it seems at this point that that has not happened yet at the very least so yeah um you know but that's you know we get the reference you know of there's only one time that I would ever tell anyone that. And, mm. you know, mm-hmm. who are you? <laughs> like, yeah. So it's very, very ominous. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Um, um the other stuff. thing, which, so I think there's two kind of lingering, um, open sort of unresolved themes and questions here. The one being the river song mystery, you know, so she's sort of setting that up. Um, the other being that, uh, they figured out what was causing the cracks and they figured out how to stop the cracks and reverse the cracks in time, but they still don't know, like he says, um, what the silence is and why the TARDIS blew up and why in the, the first TARDIS, place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that you're right. Um, I had forgotten about the silence bit, but yeah, the, the TARDIS blowing up, I did definitely want to mention. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's much to say about it because yeah. we don't know. No, at this no. Point. So I just want to just... acknowledge that those are unresolved things, which we will have to save for season six. Hmm. Ah, uh, so I t- so they don't get resolved in the special then? Is that what you're talking uh, about? Or no. or is the special part of season? Spoiler six? alert! No, no. Yeah, the yeah. no the this the Christmas special will be more of a standalone Christmas episode. Gotcha. Um. And we will pick up on some of these more mythological stuff in the next season. All right. So. Well, on that note, <laughs> we will be back. Although we won't be back right away to talk about the Christmas episode. No, right? no. We're going to do, we'll do our episode of Angel and we'll do the season recap with that. So next we'll talk time, about, so. um, some more of these themes and stuff and yeah yeah well that should be good and there's a really good episode of angel coming up so great i hope you're all ready for that yeah very excited all righty all right see you then Mm -hmm.